Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. Well, I tell you what, I'm excited about this series that we started last week. How many of you are excited? Come on, I'm excited. As we have been studying this idea of what it means to go beyond success. And let me just start by asking a question here today. I need all audience participation all over the room today. How many of you would raise your hand and say, I want to be successful? Come on, raise your hand. Everybody just look around. Come on, that is every one of you, except for a few of you that just wouldn't raise your hand for anything. But I think that's 100% today. Every single person in the room today would say, I want my life to be successful. Not one single person would say, you know what, when I grow up, I want to be a loser. I want to be a failure. I want to live a mediocre life. I really believe every single one of us deep down in our heart would want to say, hey, I want my life to matter for something. I want to be successful in whatever it is that I do in life. And I believe that every every single one of us. And yet here's the deal. In fact, here's the dilemma of this entire series. Ready for this? Everybody wants to be a success. And nobody knows what in the world it really is. <laughs> in fact, most people, if you were to ask them, what, what do you think is success? Everyone would have a different definition of what success really is. We found this out at the beginning of this series. Like a few weeks ago, I put on Facebook, just ask you, hey, what do you think success is? And I was just, I was amazed at how many people responded so quickly. Within just a few hours, I had over 60 different comments and responses of people saying what they thought success was and what was so funny about it was that out of those 60 something comments almost every single one of them were something different and I started thinking like if we want to be successful how can we ever be successful in life if we don't really have a good clear idea of what success is and then I began thinking even more importantly than that here's the deal it doesn't matter what I think success is and it doesn't matter what you think success is it doesn't matter what grandma or grandpa or mom or dad or anybody around me or whatever people post on Facebook it doesn't matter what they think success is what really matters is this what does God say about success. When God looks at our life, what is he going to look at? What are the elements of our life that he would be able to look down and say, that is a life that has been successful. And so in this series, what we're doing is we're just kind of taking a look at what does the Bible have to say about success? Because everybody wants to be successful, but what is the measure of success in God's eyes? And in order to do that, what we're doing is we're looking at one of my favorite parables in the whole Bible. If you don't know what a parable is, it's a story that Jesus would tell to kind of illustrate a point. And this parable is actually found in Matthew chapter 25. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and open up there with me today to Matthew 25. And what we're learning in this parable is the parable is called the parable of the talents or the parable of the three servants. And we learn some incredible things about what it means to be successful in God's eyes. In fact, right in this parable, we actually learn God's definition of success that I gave to you last week. We also learned some other key elements of what it means to be successful. In fact, we just pulled out seven principles of godly success from this parable. In fact, that's not all there is to success. And so there's some other principles that we're actually learning in our life groups. And so in order to get the whole package deal of all 14 things, you got to come every Sunday and every Wednesday on life group night. All right. Come on. Right. 
And what we're doing is we're just trying to say, hey, what does God say about success and how can we be successful in our life? And what we learned last week is God's definition of success is incredibly simple. That every single one of us can actually be a success in God's eyes because God's definition of success we find in this parable is simply this, living up to your potential. Everybody say potential. Potential. In fact, God has placed potential in every single one of our lives. He has given us gifts. He has given us talents. He has given us abilities. He has given us resources. He has given us relationships. He has given us time. And one day, we're going to stand before him. Just as the servants in this story stood before the master, we will stand before God, and we will give an account for what we did with our life. And on that day, it's not going to be about how did you measure up to someone else? How did you compared to the other people around you. It's not going to be about what did the world say or your neighbor say or your mama say about what success is. On that day, it's going to be about what does God say when he looks at your life? What did you do with the talent and the ability and the potential that I placed inside of you? And every single one of us have potential. Every single one of us have talent. Every single one of us has something that we can do with our life. And my job, man, my prayer, man, my heart as a pastor is to help you to be successful, to help you to reach your full potential so that every one of us can one day stand before God and hear him say those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And if that's going to happen, man, there's going to be some things that we're going to have to do. If we're going to reach our full potential, then there are going to be some different elements, some different practical things in our life that we're going to have to see play out inside of the way that we live. And we're going to just kind of take the rest of this series and break down these next six principles of godly success. And we're going to start today by looking at our passage again. In fact, we find the very first one in this passage in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number. 14. In fact, let's read it together. It's on the screen there today. It says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who calls his servants and entrusts his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold and to another two bags and to another one bag, each according to his ability. And then he went on a journey. And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and what? Everybody say this out loud. Went at once and put his money to work. You want to know what the first element of being successful in God's eyes is. You want to know? Here it is. It's found right here in that last part of that passage right there. You got to go to work. Everybody look at your neighbors. Tell them, you got to go to work. You got to go to work. In fact, if you want to be successful in life, come on. I'm just going to tell you here today. If you want to be successful in life, bottom line for this whole message, many times the difference between success and failure is simply a lot of hard work. That's it. Mic drop. (laughs) Sermon over. We're all done. No, the sermon's not over. I know some of y'all are getting excited, but it's not over. But it could be. Because really, this is what it comes down to. If you want to be successful in life, in in God's eyes, if you want to one day stand before God and hear God say, well done, good and faithful servant, guess what it's going to be? It's going to be a lot of hard work. You have to get up. You're going to have to turn off the Xbox. You're going to have to turn off the Netflix. You're going to have to put on your clothes and get out of your parents' basement and get a job and go to work. Come on. And here's the deal is that many of us, I'm having fun, but many of us don't want to go to work. 
Many people, the reason that they fall short of their potential in life is simply because they don't, they don't work. We live in a society these days where we'll do anything to get out of work. We, we don't want to work hard. We want the benefits of hard work without the difficulty of hard work. We want the benefits of somebody else's work, right, without us being the one that has to do it. In fact, we live in, an, in a day and age, this, this age that we live in where people, we want to have everything that grandma and grandpa had or mom and dad had after working 25, 35 years hard on the job to have all the things they have accumulated. We want all of that when we're 21 years old having our first job. It's the reason we have so much debt. It's the reason we have so much stress and things in our life is that nobody wants to work. And if we're going to be successful in life and in God's eyes, we're going to have to be people who are willing to roll up our sleeves and go to work. And let me just, let's just talk about the theology of work for just a minute today. In fact, I think this is important because did you know that over 40% of your life will be spent at work? If 40% of your life is spent somewhere, don't you think we ought to talk about it every now and then? And we don't talk about this kind of thing. You're going, they talk about that at church. But guess what? If we're spending 40% of our life doing something, we probably ought to know a little bit about it, right? And the Bible probably talks a little bit about it. So let's talk about this for just a second. Guess what? God created work. It was his idea. From the beginning, he created you to work. In fact, look what the Bible says about it in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 15. It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to do what? Everybody say it loud. To work it. Everybody say work it. No, don't do it like that. Okay. (laughs) To work it and to take care of it. From the beginning, God put Adam and Eve in the garden and gave them a job to do. Like he created it for them and for their benefit. You say, well, that's Old Testament. Give me some New Testament. Well, here's what it says in Ephesians 2.10, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. To what? To do good work. Come on, say the word. To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God created you to do some work here on this planet. And if you're going to stand before him and hear him say, well done, then you're going to have to be a person who learns how to do good work. You're going to have to be a person who learns how to work. And here's the problem for many of us is many of us don't see it that way. We don't see our work, our job as something that God created for us. We see it instead as a punishment. Like, God is punishing me by making me get up and go to work. Like, it's Adam and Eve's fault because they sinned in the garden. And when they sinned in the garden, from that point on, everybody had to work. But that's not actually the order that it took place. That verse that I just read just a second ago, that happened before the fall of man. That even before they sinned, God had a work for them to complete and for them to do. Now, when they sinned, it made their work harder, but they still had work. In fact, I'll blow your theology a minute today. You ready for this? Even heaven will have work for us to do. Some of you go, that sounds more like hell than heaven. I don't know if I want to go. And maybe that's because you got the wrong attitude and the wrong perspective on work. And so if we're going to spend 40% of our lives doing something, we probably ought to know what God has to say about it. 
And if we're going to stand before him and hear him say, well done, then we ought to know what he has to say about how to work hard and do the work he's called us to do. And so in this passage of scripture, in this parable, I believe we can see five things about God's idea of work. And I want to, I want to get a little practical about it today, but I want us to see these five things. If you're taking notes, you can write them down. The first thing we see in this parable about work is we see when. Everybody say when. We see when to work. Check out what it says in Matthew 25 and verse 16. It says, And the man who had received five bags of gold went at once. Everybody say at once. At once and put his money to work. Notice these words. At once. What is that? What are those words? Those two words. What are they teaching us? They're teaching us about the priority. They're teaching us about the when. They're teaching us that work is important, that work is a priority, that work is not something to be put off until tomorrow, that work is not something to be done later, that work is a priority that is to be done now. In fact, I believe one of the greatest hindrances to success in our world today is this idea of procrastination. In fact, how many of you, let me just ask you today, how many of you ever procrastinated something before? Raise your hand. All over the room, right? We all do. Now, put it down. Let me ask you this. When you procrastinated something, whatever it was you procrastinated, whatever it was you were putting off, did it get easier or did it get harder? The longer you procrastinate, the longer you put it off, what? The harder it gets, right? And the less likely that it gets done or the less likely that it gets done on time or the less likely that it gets done well or the more stressed you become. Isn't this true? The more we put something off, we think I'm putting that off so that I don't have to feel the stress of it today. But it doesn't take the stress away. It actually just adds to our stress. In fact, write this down if you're taking notes. I want you to get this. Anything I procrastinate today takes away from tomorrow. And anything I do today creates time for tomorrow. Man, that's so good. Some of you are going to blow right past that, but you're going to miss it. Because some of us think, well, you know, I'll do my work later. I'll kind of put that off until later. And what it does is it adds to the stress and the strain of your life. And this is what this principle and this parable is teaching us, that he didn't say the one guy who had one, he put it off. He went and buried it in the ground. But the guy who had five and the guy who had two, he went, they went at once and put their money to work. And there's a principle to be found here about when to work. That work should be the priority of our life. It should be part of the first things that we do in life. Instead of putting things off until later, we ought to get to work now. And here's what happens. When I do, here's what happens. I relieve myself of so many stresses. In fact, there are some people in life who are so stressed out running around doing all this stuff and they have no time for their family and they have no time for rest and they have no time for themselves and they're just... And much of the stress and the strain that we have is our own faults. It's because we put things off until tomorrow. And now it's time to make those things happen and we're stressed out today. And there's a principle at work here. In fact, I've tried to teach this to our staff and, and kind of learn this in my, in my own life. That, that if I will do today instead of waiting till tomorrow, I will have time to do other stuff I'd rather do tomorrow because I did what I needed to do today. In fact, this is a lesson we ought to all learn just a little bit. I, I just, I'll, let's get real practical about your work. When I, when I come to work, I have a to-do list. All right, How many have a to-do list when you go to work? Things you're going to do for the day. 
Sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes you get in there and get things done. And, and how many have you ever gotten to it's like noon and you already crossed off all your to-do list for the day? Come on, right? You ever had days? Some of you are like, I don't ever have days like that. Sometimes I do have a day like that. And what do I do when I get all my to-do list crossed off for the day? Do I just go, hey, cool, I'm going to kick my feet up on the, on the desk and play on Facebook the rest of the day? Go, for go-, go out and golf. Is that what I'm going to do? No, what do I do? You know what I do? I take the things that I needed to do tomorrow and I move them to today. And I do those things today. And then if I get those things done as well, I take the next day and I do those things today as well. And then sometimes at the end of the week, I get to the end of the week and all the work is done. And then you know what I do? Kick my foot up on the desk and I play on Facebook. Come on. Or I get my golf clubs and go to the golf course. And the reason I can do that is because I didn't procrastinate. But how many of us get to the end of our week or the, and we're stressed out and we have all this strain and it could have been avoided. In fact, I just wrote down just a couple things. These are practical things from my life that I've experienced in my own life. When I learned not to procrastinate, number one, here's what happened. I learned when I didn't procrastinate, I didn't freak out when stuff happened. Because <laughs> how many know stuff happens? Things are always going to come up that you weren't planning on. I remember when I first became in, in ministry, I started out as a youth pastor. I was only 19 years old, uh, and I was a youth pastor, so I was immature, didn't understand kind of a lot of things about that I'm teaching you today. And so we'd have youth service on Wednesday night, and you know what I'd do? I didn't have a sermon until Wednesday morning. I'd get to the church, and then I'd be like, oh, God, give me a sermon for tonight. And I'm stressing out because I got to talk to all these teenagers that night. And you know what would always happen when I did that? Something would always come up. My dad, who was the pastor, would need something, or one of the parents would call, or my tire would go flat, or something would happen. And what would happen? I'd be stressed out. I've got to have that done by the night. I can't do that and all that. You know, how many know what I'm talking about? And you know what I learned? That if I just get ahead just a little bit, then when stuff comes up, and it will, I wouldn't be so stressed. You know what else it helped me to do? Let it be, you can write this down. It helped me to have margin to love people. How many know it's hard to love people when you're stressed and you're strained? It's hard. If you're rushing around trying to do stuff you should have done yesterday, if you're doing that, guess what? You're not going to stop and help somebody on the side of the road. You're not going to be able to give someone a hug because you're rushing around trying to get wherever you need to go. You know what else it did? It helped me to have margin for me. In fact, I'm very religious about taking my day off. Like very little, very rarely do I not take my Friday off. And I don't, I don't let church stuff get into Fridays and whatever. And I'll have people ask me all the time, other pastor buddies who will ask me all the time, say, how do you do that so well and you're taking your Sabbath and taking your day off? I mean, you're a, you're a pastor of a growing church and you have a growing staff. You're doing a building program. You're a presbyter in charge of all these people. How do you do that? I'll tell you how to do it. It's this principle. At once, I take what God gives me and I put it to work. See, this, this, this parable teaches us when to work. But notice number two, it teaches us what kind of work to do. Check this out in verse number 15. A man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold and to another two bags of gold and to another one. Each according to what? Everybody say it out loud. Each according to his ability. Guess what kind of work you're going to be the best at? The stuff you're good at. Come on, I know, I'm just blowing you away. But when you are doing work that matches up with your God-given talents and ability, guess what? You're going to be a whole lot better at it. And not only that, you're going to like it a whole lot more. 
And this is what the master knew. He knew their abilities, and so he gave them work to do that lined up with the abilities, the talents, the things that they had and that they could offer. And here's the deal, guys. Like some of us, we hate our work, and the reason we hate our work is because we're doing stuff that God never gifted us to do. We're doing stuff that's outside of our giftings and outside of our talents and outside of our, of our, of our abilities and our gift mix. And so some of you are going, yes, pastor, that's what I've been saying forever. I'm just going to go quit my job now. <laughs> or I'll just wait until there's a job that comes along that perfectly fits me because I'm not happy doing the job. And I'll just tell you this. You'll be a whole lot less happy being broke than you are less happy being in the job that doesn't fit your skills. In fact, let me just tell you this. Ultimately, I believe every one of us, God, is a job that he has gifted us for, and that the ultimate thing would be to do that job. But it might not be your first job. It might not be your second job. I'll just tell you this. It might not be your current job. But here's what I know according to this parable. If you'll be faithful in the job that you have, then eventually God will open another job for you. But if you're not, you can't expect promotion in your life. In fact, my first job as in ministry, I was a youth pastor, age 19. I already told you that. I started at the church. My parents planted the church. My dad was the pastor. And at that time in the church, the church wasn't large enough to pay a full-time youth pastor. And I came on full-time as a youth pastor, but I didn't just get to just be the youth pastor because the church couldn't afford to pay full-time youth pastor. Guess what else I got to do? I got to clean the church, all the toilets, come on, vacuum the floor, dust the stuff, all the kind of stuff. And guess what? I was gifted to be a youth pastor, but I ain't gifted to clean toilets, I'm just saying. And I hated it. But you know what I did? I worked hard. And every day I showed up and I cleaned those toilets when I was supposed to clean the toilets. And I vacuumed the floor when I was supposed to vacuum the floor. And yeah, I probably complained a little bit, but not that much, right? And over the years, you know what happened? The youth group began to grow. The church began to grow. And you know, it wasn't very long until I didn't have to clean the toilets anymore. We hired somebody to clean the toilets. And then you know what happened? The church grew some more. And eventually they asked me to be the pastor of the church. And then I became the pastor of the church. And I hired somebody to clean them toilets for me. Come on, Right? But it didn't just happen all at once. And then after a while, church began to grow. But then God began to put some things in our heart to go and move to Burleson and plant a church. And you know what happened? We came and we planted this church. And guess what happened? All of a sudden, I'm the pastor and the janitor. Because <laughs> I'm the only one. <laughs> I wasn't just the janitor. I was the painter. And I was the chair setter upper. And I was, I was the graphic designer and the website. And I was everything. <laughs> And many of those were things that weren't inside my gifts or my callings or my desires even to do. But you know what I did? I worked hard. And I kept working hard. And now here I am 12 years later. And guess what? I got somebody else that mows the yard. I got somebody else that cleans the toilets. I got, I got you know, a dozen people that work as employees of this church. And even then, 12 years later, you know what? A couple weeks ago I was doing, I was in their shop vacuuming when water came in from the new building. Because here's the deal. There's a lie that the world will tell you. Do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life. That's a lie. Because even if you're doing what you love, there's still days you have to do stuff you don't like. To be successful, you've got to work. It says, it says that we should, it teaches us when to work. It teaches us what kind of work to do. Number three, write this down. It teaches us how to work. Everybody say how to work. Look at this, Matthew 25 and verse 21. And then his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. There's two key words in this verse right here, good and faithful. 
Here's how we are called to work. We are called to be good at the work that we do, and we are called to be faithful at the work that we do. And here's what I'm going to tell you today. If you have a job, guess what? It's your responsibility to be as good at that job as you can be. And it's your responsibility to take the gift that God gave you and continue to develop the gift, to get better at it, to read books, to go to conferences, to ask questions, to, to do whatever you can to continue to develop the skill and the ability that you have inside of you. And here's what I will tell you. If you stop learning, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be replaced. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. Guess what? There's one thing that will make up for a whole lot of lack in talent and ability. You know what it is? Faithfulness. You know what will make up for a lack of ability? Dependability. You know, as an employee or employer, you know what I'm looking for? I'm looking for people who are dependable. You know, I, yeah, I want talented people, and we have great talented people on, on our staff, but you know what? I don't care if you have the most talent in the world. If I'm not sure if you're going to show up at work or not, it doesn't do me any good. And here's the deal. Some of you say, I don't have that much talent. Well, you need to develop the talent that you have and continue to get better at what you are doing. Yes, but you know what? You can make up for a whole lot of the, a lack of talent by just saying, I'm going to be someone who's faithful. In fact, I just wrote down a few things that will help you in your job. You ready for this? Man, this is rocket science. You ready? Show up. Everybody say, show up. Just show up. And then you know what? When you show up, here's what you do. You show up on time. And then when you show up on time, you know what you do? You show up and be prepared. And then when you show up prepared and on time, you know what you do? You do your work while you're there. And then you know what you do? You show up and you have a good attitude while you're there. And then, and then you don't promise things that you can't do. And you don't say things and then not follow through. You be dependable and trustworthy and keep a confidence and be loyal. And I'm telling you, if you will do that, you will continue to climb the ladder. You will continue to climb the ranks and be promoted because that's something that is rare in this world that we live in today. And this is what, man, some of you say, this doesn't sound very spiritual. It's incredibly spiritual. One day we're going to hear God say these words, well done, good and faithful servant. If you want to hear him say those words, here's what you've got to be, good and faithful. It teaches us when to work, what kind of work to do, how to work. Number four, write this down. It teaches us why to work. Look at this, verse 21. The master answered, you did well. You are good and loyal as a servant. And because you were loyal with small things, I will let you care for greater things. Come and share in my joy with me. Guess what, guys? There is a reward for hard work. In fact, if you're not motivated simply by the fact that God created us and commands us to work, be motivated by this. If you'll work hard, guess what will happen? You'll be rewarded. This is actually a spiritual principle. We see it right here in this passage. We see it over and over where the Bible says whatever you plant, that's what you're going to reap in your life. But it's not just a spiritual principle. This is just a life principle. If you'll work hard, there will be rewards that come from that. You you can be motivated to know that hard work will pay off. You say, how does it pay off? Well, in this passage, I see a couple things. First of all, with a good reputation. I mean, think about this. These guys, how do you think the master picked these guys that he picked? Maybe because he had heard from others that these guys were hard workers that could be trusted. Let me just tell you something. If you'll work hard, guess what will happen? You'll get a reputation for it. 
And you know what will happen? Opportunities will open for you. That guy's a hard worker. I want him to come work for me. But guess what? If nobody's asking you to come work for them, maybe you need to look at your work ethic. Because here's the thing. If you'll work hard, you will never lack for job opportunities. Because it changes your reputation. Number two, or letter C, whatever it is. Letter B, there it is. You'll have promotion. What does he say? Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. Now I'm going to make you in charge of many things. How does the promotion come? The promotion comes when we're faithful with a little bit. Then we will rise above and we will be promoted. Letter C, write this down, satisfaction. This might be the most important one of all. What does he say? He says, come and share in your master's happiness. Come and share in your master's joy. There is a joy and a satisfaction that only comes from knowing that I worked hard and gave my all towards something that mattered. In fact, how many have ever been there before where you worked hard on a project and when you're done, you want to sit back and just enjoy the fruits of your work? There's a satisfaction. There's a joy that only comes from that. And I was thinking about this this week that, I wonder if the reason there's such a lack of joy and such a, even some of the low-grade depression that people experience in life today, I wonder if it's because so many people have not put themselves into doing something, working hard at something that matters. And so now they're not able to share in the joy and the satisfaction of knowing, I rolled up my sleeves, and I went to work, and that thing you see is because I produced it. There's a satisfaction in that. And that's a good reason. Write this down. We learn when to work, learn what kind of work to do, how to work, why to work. But this is the most important one. Number five, write this down. We learn who to work for. Check it out in verse 20. The master says, you trusted me to care with five bags of gold. So I used your five bags and earned five more. There is a key word right there. How many know what the key word is? The key word is your. Whose gold was it? It was the master's. It didn't belong to the servant. It belonged to the master. And let me just tell you something. Everything that you have belongs to God. Your job. Like like your house. Your car. The money in your bank account. Everything that you have, it's not yours. You don't have it because you're so great. You have it because he's great and because he entrusted it to you. It belongs to him, not to you. He's the master. He's the boss. He's the one that you are working for. And I will tell you this. Everything changes when you get this attitude. When you start saying, you know what, when I go to work, I'm not working for the company. Man, because you know what, the company ain't going to take care of me. And sometimes we can get a bad attitude about that. And when I go to work, I can say, you know what, I ain't working for a paycheck Because you know I can spend that paycheck or that company could take that paycheck away from me. But I'm not working for that. And I'm not working for a promotion. And I'm not working for the boss. And I'm not working for the manager. And if I work for myself, I'm not even working for myself. I'm not even building my own business. Who am I working for? I'm working for God. I'm doing what I do with everything that I have. I'm doing it as if unto the Lord. That's what Paul said. He said, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might as if working for the Lord, not working for men. If I'm working for men and they let me down, I can be frustrated. I can have days I don't want to go to work and I don't want to do my work. But when I change bosses, see, that's the key today. If you're struggling with your work, here's what you do. You just change bosses. That doesn't mean go get another job. That means saying, hey, I ain't working for that boss. I ain't working for that company. I ain't working. I'm doing my work for him, and that's what matters in the end. So that one day, 
can stand before God. And I can hear him say those words. You took what I invested in you. You lived up to your potential. You worked hard. Were you perfect? No, but you worked hard. And now I can look you in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's my heart for this series, guys. My heart is your pastor. As I look out there and I see every single week sitting in these chairs, so much potential. So many that maybe are not even tapping into the potential that is there. Some, maybe it's even because we don't really want to do the hard work. My job as your pastor and your shepherd is to encourage you and to stir you on and to say, man, I want to push you forward into the potential so that one day, not just me, I can hear God say, well done, yes, but man, I'm, I'm, I'm responsible for you too. You're part of the potential that God put in my life. That one day I'm going to stand before him and not just give account for me, but I'm going to give account for how did I help you to reach your potential as well. And I want you to hear those words, and I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. That's why we're doing the life groups. That's why we're learning from John Maxwell, and I'm challenging every one of you to get into a life group. That's why I decided this semester to invite some people to a group that I'm putting together to just, to just pour into some of those people. And you know what? I couldn't invite everybody to the first group, but I'm not going to just do it once because I'm committed to this next semester. We're going to do another group, and as long as the Lord leads, I'm going to continue to do other groups. And so if you didn't get invited, you might get invited later because here's the deal I'm responsible for every one of you and I want to pour everything that I can into you so that one day we can all stand before God and say man we worked what you put in our hands we were good and we were faithful and we can hear those words